We're back. <laughs> Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kid's pastor share their messy attempt at raising a Christ-centered family. We may not know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Welcome back to Christ in the Chaos. I am Kathleen here with my husband. Joel. Hopefully you remember us. (laughs) Yeah, we are back from a month-long break. Which month and a week. We turned into almost a month and a half long break, um, thanks to our youngest son. And that is what we are going to be talking about today. Um, we are a week late recording our first episode back because we spent last week in the ER um, on our recording night with um, him. So we didn't spend the night in the ER. Yeah. So I yeah. was at home in bed. <laughs> a very important part of the story, actually. Um, yeah. I spent the night in the ER with the little one. Um, so we're going to be talking about that today instead of a normal topic because it actually brought up a lot of interesting little subtopics and the family check-in feels very silly without delving into this in detail. If this is your first time listening to us, every week we normally start the episode off with a quick family check-in. That's where we check in with each other to see how we're doing to make sure we're on the same page and that we're not missing anything in each other's lives, either good or usually frustrating and bad, and we need to help each other. It's also a great opportunity for you to use it as a reminder to go check in with your family, your spouse, your loved ones, see how they're doing, give them an update on how you're doing, and just kind of keep track of each other throughout the week. So before we get started on this story, I just felt like it was necessary to do a disclaimer um, because while we had this very scary incident, um, it doesn't really inform the experience of somebody with a um, chronically ill kid. That's not the same thing as what we went through. It is not comparable and it is not what we're about to say would not be helpful to somebody like that. But we went through this like traumatic family experience and uh, a few different things popped up out of it. And we thought it might be helpful to somebody else who has a similar incident. So let's get started on that. So this all started really like a couple of weeks ago. Levi had a 105 degree fever. It's 104.9, as I am constantly reminded. Which isn't as unusual as, as it should be. As it should be. He's he had a lot of ear infections, and so our He's, our pediatrician was like, "Man, don't get me out of bed for anything under 105." Like literally, I said, "When do I need to start worrying?" He's like, "Yeah, 105." <laughs> yeah, our our older one, we would we would go to the ER at like 102, but no. the younger just that's not true. But he. Yeah. He has high fevers. So we were worried, but not ER worried. We took him to. We did take him to the ER. Oh, on that one. Yes. Yeah, we took him, but he, his fever came down before we got through triage. We came home. Um, The next month, not the next Monday, like eight, 10 days later, somewhere in there on a Monday, um, he had another high fever, 104.9 again, all night. Um, He was fine. As soon as the, uh, Tylenol kicked in, which it kicked in by like bedtime, like what well, except for he fell asleep at like nine or 10 instead of his regular bedtime. Um, he was fine all night and then totally fine all day Wednesday. Fever came back um, or all day Tuesday. Fever came back Wednesday. And then Wednesday, he fell asleep at like 610 or 630, sorry, 630 p.m. An hour and a half before his bedtime. 
Woke up at 7.10, comes into the room. We're all sitting there like hanging out in the living room. And he starts going, my tummy hurts. And like kind of screams. Which is a new phrase. He's never said that before. He has never talked so much or so clearly as he had through this whole incident. Um, Writhed in pain for about 20 minutes. Did a weird like eye roll back in his head thing that we both saw and didn't feel crazy because the other one saw it. And I said, we're going to take him to the ER. Um, So I never feel crazy, but that's just me. The important part of the story that will come up later is we were getting ready to go. I was pretty freaked out. I said, I want you to come with me to Joel. Joel said, but it'll take longer because we have to find somewhere for Dane. I said, no, we'll take Dane there and then we'll have somebody come pick him up. Anyway, I didn't have time to fight with him about it. And we ended up in the ER. Um, By the time we get there, he's like physically fine. Back to himself? Like (laughs) he did for like. 20 minutes he was kind of splinting his breathing so that because he was like obviously in a little bit of pain and he didn't want to take a full breath but um after we went through triage they sent us back out back out to the waiting room he fell asleep on my chest because it was like past his bedtime and um by the time he woke up from that nap when his breathing had slowed down he was fine he was so okay and they took us in back to the er and we did not have a room which meant that we did not have plugs, which means that I did not have chargers, which means I did not have electronic devices after about two hours. And we sat in the ER for seven hours in the hallway before we even got moved into an ER room. Um, And so it was like me and this wake three-year-old for a lot of it. We finally fell asleep around three o'clock in the morning. And um, anyway, at some point they come in and are like, because they do blood work pretty early on. And by the way, Levi does not like IVs, in case you were wondering. Um, Yeah, he's that weird three-year-old who doesn't like needles. But the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, this is so stupid. I am wasting my whole night. I am wrecking my whole week um, because I freaked out because he had a tummy ache. He's going to end up having gas. Um, And like, I'm a person that like already doesn't rest well. And if I have a night where I am up all night, I can't recover. I mean, I mean, it takes me like a month to recover from a night up like that. Um, and I was just like doubting myself and miserable. Well, eventually the doctor comes back and is like, there's something wrong with his liver. Um, his liver numbers are way too high. And um, like we need to do another ultrasound on because he'd already had one ultrasound. They found um, fluid in his abdomen. They found, His liver numbers were too high. They had to do another ultrasound while he was sleeping on his liver. Um, it was too big. The gallbladder was too big. And um, they told us that they were going to admit him, um, which, by the way, all of this was going down. And calling back to the part of the story where I asked Joel to come with me, I was entirely by myself the whole time. You can't see the ashamed look on older son. You were sleeping. I was. Um, so uh, we got admitted um, at like 5 a.m. At that point, we had been there uh, uh, not quite 10 hours, nine hours at that point. So we had like two hours in an ER room before we got admitted in. And as much as I don't want my child to get to admitted to the hospital, seeing a real hospital bed that we could lay down on because ER beds stink and don't yeah. have real sheets on them. And there's not enough room for even a an adult person with a 35 pound side baby. Um, it was terrible all night. And seeing that bed was like the best thing. We both conked. Uh, we woke up the next morning. The pediatric team came in. Um, they ran blood tests. We waited another 24 hours. Like literally nothing happened that day. Um, Levi, by the way, is totally fine. Try having an active three and a half year old, stubborn and active 
and strong-willed three and a half year old. Happy about being trapped in a small. Room. I want to go home, and they Especially do have. You could see the outside from the room. He had lots of um, fun at doing the like the like patient life things or whatever. They had like a music group and an art group and a playroom and um, little carts that you could ride around. Um, but he wanted to go home, and so then we're there another night. And they tell us that morning, like, everything looks good. His blood work from yesterday, his numbers went down, but not into the normal range. But we think that's fine. Looks like it was a virus. It was unlucky. It messed up his liver. Um, GI is going to come in today. And then, assuming everything's okay with them, you can go home. So it got to be, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. GI had come in. I'm, like, hovering at the nurse's station being like, can we leave? Can we leave? Can we leave? Can we leave? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't tell you that part. But I just was kind of like okay, everything that we're supposed to have done is done. Can we get our discharge no, papers? Totally and we got uh, discharged around 3.30. I go by Mr. Pickles and Comfort Eat, a giant BLT. Mr. Pickles is a restaurant that sells really delicious, but not super healthy sandwiches. <laughs> anyway, so I um, gorged on that and got a cookie for Levi there. And um, we all ate our feelings. We went and picked up Dane from his uncle's house, even though... Um, he was going to go back there within an hour. I just needed to like go home with the kids. So I like picked up Dane, drove home. We were going to sit home for like 30 minutes and then turn around and go back to the exact same place. Um, but as soon as we pulled in, I'm like unloading the stuff from the hospital. I like literally have both doors open, the car door and our side door. And we get a phone call from some girl. Don't know if she's a medical student or a doctor or like somebody they pulled off the street that basically <laughs> this is the only time I'm going to be mean in the whole thing. She basically was like, oh, like the test result came in and indicates uh, autoimmune hepatitis. And um, for those of you listening at home who maybe didn't go to medical school like I didn't, I spend a lot of this story raising my hand and asking the doctors to explain things in smaller words. Autoimmune hepatitis is an autoimmune disease like type 1 diabetes. So type 1 or diabetes. Graves disease or um, what are the other examples? Rheumatoid arthritis is a good example. sentences. Okay, go on. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't have that disease. So type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease where your body attacks your pancreas and prevents it from creating insulin. Liver. It's the liver. Oh, type 1 diabetes. I'm sorry. I no, it's fine. I, I mean, I wasn't listening to you. Uh, fortunately, I don't have to talk to the doctor about finishing sentences because right, I go. don't have that. So autoimmune. I don't know hepatitis. if you know this, but I was the one at the hospital as you were at home sleeping with the other kid. So I was there for this part. I'm just saying. Autoimmune hepatitis is where your body attacks your liver. It's not good. It was not the news we wanted. It's bad. It was like potentially lifelong management and and having him be on prednisone as a child, which stunts growth, screws up your skin. Has all kinds of nasty side effects um, that I didn't want for my three-year-old. And and the person who left the message wasn't soft. Was, they were just very just matter she, of fact and very quick and she very... She didn't realize the gravity of what she was delivering. She didn't realize that she wasn't delivering it clearly, which what she should have told us, which I realized later, was that this test result flags the possibility of this and we need to follow up. That's not what she said. She I wrote I wrote down autoimmune hepatitis because <laughs> that's what she said he yeah. had and um it was not good news so we were talking we talked to my we went to our little one our older one soccer game um we talked to my family they all called like 45 doctors um we went immediately to our small group we talked to them about it 
talked to everybody and their brother about it. And then I was like sitting there Googling and Googling and Googling and Googling. And I realized like you have to do a liver biopsy to confirm this diagnosis. And nobody's done a liver biopsy on my kid. That I know of. And so I call the like hospital number and I'm like, can somebody talk to me? Like, can somebody explain what's going on? And the doctor there was like, whoa, like he doesn't necessarily have it. This is an alarming test result. We need to follow up on it. But like, it's uncommon for his age and blah, 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 blah. And so um, I talked to her. We knew that we had a referral. Um, We couldn't make the appointment for the referral till Monday. So we literally, that was Friday. Saturday goes by. Sunday goes by. Just spent the weekend nauseous. Yeah. Like you do. It's miserable. And it wasn't just miserable because um, he could have this thing. It was miserable because we couldn't even talk. We hadn't talked to a doctor about it. Somebody kind of dumped this, the potential for this like autoimmune disease on us. And nobody had talked to us about what it meant. And all we had was the internet. And let me tell you, autoimmune hepatitis does not get a good rap on the internet. Um, and so, and meanwhile, he's running around like a storm. Yeah, he's fine. He just, <laughs> he's still fine. He, yeah, well, he maybe he's not fine, but he, he's acting normal. He yeah. making noise, causing trouble, playing with friends, no fevers, no slowdown, just pedal the metal, Levi all away. And, um, so Monday morning we make the appointment for today. Um, where we had an appointment with the specialist. So then we go all the day through Monday and all the day through Tuesday. And finally this morning, um, we met with the specialist. I don't know how you felt, but I felt like the medical student, again, did not understand the gravity of of our test result. Like the doctor came in and immediately was like, this is not what I think it is. Here's what we're going to do to make sure, blah, blah, blah. I didn't think the medical student when she was asking the question, she was like, "Um, well, we'll just see what's going on. I was like, we think our kid has an autoimmune disease. I thought she did like a good of- job of getting questions and listening to our answers, which sometimes were a bit. What? We do a podcast because we hate to listen to ourselves talk. And so I had like a very extensive list of all of the weird medical things that he's yeah, been through. I mean, went through every our family histories and every disease that Kathleen and I have. Point being, the doctor said, um, she didn't think that it was the autoimmune hepatitis that she thought um, that it was some kind of wonky false positive on the um, anti-smooth muscle thing that we were going to do one more liver function test. They did it today. It was normal that she was going to do one more test for I think it's IgGs if you're like a doctor or a nerd. Um, to, it would be another indicator of autoimmune hepatitis. It was within the normal range um, that in three months we are going to do that anti-smooth muscle antibody test again which was the one that was the flag for the autoimmune hepatitis see if it comes up positive if it comes up positive they'll do a liver biopsy and see what's going on um in the meantime we just have to make sure that he doesn't get jaundicey um and it was very reassuring and i am not um in a constant state of panic anymore or a constant state of grief anymore and i feel like i'm starting to come out of the fog that we've been in for the last couple of days um but a lot has happened in the five days in between that diagnosis and now. And so that's what we kind of wanted to talk about. Not the story or the diagnosis or what happens with Levi. Because Levi, if you were looking at him, Levi has no idea what's going on. He doesn't understand why everybody keeps poking him with needles. But besides that, he's like, he literally just keeps saying, I'm all better now. Yeah. Um, but and- Joel and I went through it. 
Yeah. And we, we still don't really know what's going on with Levi, so we will keep you updated there. But for right now, we just want to talk about the process. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was prayer. We didn't pray together because we don't do that for whatever reason. We try to. We get on kicks where we try to, and then we fall out of it and we get busy. We don't I'm not too busy system. to pray. I just don't like praying with you or I don't, don't, I don't feel system. comfortable praying with That's you. That's weird. Point being, what did you pray about or how did that look? I did a lot of bargaining and a lot of <laughs> genie prayers, Got which it. are things I don't believe in. They are things that I think are not, they're not scriptural. They're not, I don't think they're good practice. Um, but there are times when you're the foxhole prayer of what do you want? What I'll give it, what do you want? Just say it. Just get me out of this. Um, and, you know, what What do you want? Just what's the trade? I, Tell me what the trade is. I will give you anything. I disagree that it's not scriptural or that it's not. It's not scriptural that it would be like come true like a genie. Um, but if you listen back to our episode on prayer, I think it's episode four of this podcast. And we talk about Paul Miller's praying life. Um, God works with you where you come to him. So if you're coming to him and they're like, I need to bargain with you, God. God's like, well. I'm not going to bargain with you, but I see where your heart is and I can work with that. Yeah. And you were coming to him with what like you really wanted and not being like, well, God, you mean like if you, I think if you over spiritualize something like this, be like, God, if it's your will to do something miraculous with Levi's life, it's like, no, God, fix my kid. Yeah. Like that's your authentic self. Um, and, and that's, I mean, I think that you shouldn't feel any shame about that. Oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't, but I also don't think. That you say, God, give me a Ferrari, and then you'll get a Ferrari. No, I get it. I I don't know that that's how God works, but that's where I was at. Um, that's my my mornings, my evenings, my days, still in this moment, are spent. Take it away. Make it better. Make it go away. That's, see, and this is something, it like surprised me. My um, My prayer was so mechanical and not like... Like, I know I should pray, so I, like, said the words in my head, but I was so numb. This whole time I was going through, we were going through this, it's like I didn't let the reality of anything that was going on get past, like, a force field in my, like, emotions. And every time it, like, sunk just, like, a little bit past, I, like, completely lost it. And so there was, like, this, like, bubble around me. And it like also affected prayer. Like I could be like, God, please make Levi better. I'm like, I really do want that. And I'm like, I could logically think it, but it didn't feel anything like the prayer that I pray in my everyday life. When I was like faced with trauma. Yeah, that's a healthy way to do I couldn't emotions, pray. I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> that so that was like a weird that was like it's funny. You were like, Oh, this is how I acted and it's not scriptural. I'm like, I feel like spiritually um not ashamed of myself, but like it was interesting to see that when I was backed up against the wall, I went through the motions, um, but I didn't feel particularly close to God in it. Yeah. And I think we were very busy. Well, I think and that was so, intentional, though. Well, but I don't I don't feel like I had a chance to really lean on you or give you a chance to lean on me because we were so busy running around and I was trying to take care of Dane and keep him off your plate that... We didn't really have a chance to lean on each other. We didn't. And I, I think that's something maybe next time we have a crisis, we should probably think about I didn't feel stopping that. and running into each other and just 
staying there. I didn't. Th- I just don't think I felt like I felt like if I let myself really feel and consider and meditate on what was happening or what could potentially be happening, that I wouldn't have been able to perform the other functions in my life. And so I just didn't let myself go there either spiritually or um, just like reality wise. I like did not let it sink in because I just could not. I had responsibilities I needed to do. Um, and part of that was I was holding out hope that the, re- that the end game w- would be like this. And I thought, well, if we get a confirmed diagnosis, then I'm going to give myself time to fall apart. But until I know I have something to fall apart about, I'm not going to fall apart. Yeah. That being said, we had um, people praying for us and a lot of people praying for us specifically. And one of the things that just, it's so dumb because I know people are like, we're praying for you. And I'm like, okay. Um, But when we went to our godson's birthday party and they had like a board of like the people they're praying for and on the board and then like Levi's name was on it. And I was like, oh yeah, like my kid needs that. And they are praying for him. And we're not the only ones thinking about him and we're not the only ones praying for him. And the fact that my prayer is sucking right now is not like, it's not detrimental to my son because his church family is praying for him and his family is praying for him. And, um, he's got a lot of, like a ton of spiritual horsepower behind him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was like one of the, the other big things is besides prayer. Um, we really just, I feel like we really got to see the church be the church. Um, Yeah. In praying, praying with your actions, which is my favorite type of prayer (laughs) is people who go, God, feed this person. And then they pick up bread and hand it to the person. Then they say, thank you, God, for feeding that person. (laughs) Because it says in the Bible, we are his hands. We are his feet. We are his ears, his eyes, his voice in this world. And we had a lot of people who, I totally get it. People who said, what can I do? And we said, nothing. There's nothing to do. Yeah. And then they'd say, okay, I'm going to bring you dinner because I have to do something. Yeah. I can't do nothing. So we have dinner in our fridge that looks really good. It's defrosting. <laughs> we're waiting on it. And it. we're really excited about that. And it's just an just... outpouring of people stepping up to watch our older one, to fill in childcare where we need it, to give rides when... Maybe somebody took all the keys to all the cars to the hospital with her (laughs) because maybe I wasn't the only one not thinking clearly that night. And so in the morning when I had to get to the hospital. Well, that was my mom that helped you. But yeah, the other. She. Yeah. Is that the love with actions, prayer with actions is. And coming. We had lots of people come to visit us when I went to. We were home by Sunday. um, And when I went to church on Sunday. I like all of the, every person with a medical degree and some people without, I like accosted and was like, what do you think of this? And by the way, it's like a pretty like rare specialized thing. And they were all like, we don't really know, yeah, but you're going to be fine. Um, and a few people, like more than one person, I talked to actually three or four people with autoimmune diseases that were like, here's the things that suck, but I'm fine. Really? Are we, mm-hmm. we get through and it's not, you know, and one of the things I think that was so hard thinking about the, an autoimmune disease was like, I'm somebody that struggles with um, exhaustion. And that's like one of the big things I think with all of those autoimmune diseases is that the fatigue is intense. And like, I just want to have him to have a chance of not that, that not being his life. Um, and that was one of the things that's like a dumb thing to worry about. Cause like really his whole body 
was in danger, but the fatigue and like yeah. the, the a relentlessness of that was something that I had so much worry about. And we do have friends who have a child who is two now. Yeah. Who, when he was six months old-ish, got a liver transplant. Not six months old-ish, on his six-month birthday. So-ish. And <laughs> so I was correct. You were just... Okay. Very specific. <laughs> that was actually... So he, they were very... It was, they were very helpful. I it was nice to have them around. It was nice to have um, them around. They were understanding. They were able to empathize in a way that it's And hard provide to, expertise. Yes. And just like, like be like, it's fine. We're fine. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that was actually one of the like cruel jokes of this whole thing that like before Levi got sick and before we had knew there was anything wrong with his liver, I had planned the gospel message for the day around miracles and about this baby with the liver transplant. So we were telling the story of of this baby and his liver and the miracle of of God providing that liver and him recovering um, while my own kids like potential liver was falling apart it was a little hard for me to watch yeah. that. I yeah well yeah because we there were pictures in the slideshow of him at his worst when everything was all inflamed and when he got put on life support and all that and it was like i mean we aren't we aren't and weren't in the same situation but to like be like oh yeah yeah this isn't just an abstract thing that happens to people who aren't me um which is i guess i don't know maybe that's part of the maybe that's part of the take home there I don't know what it was like for them, but at least in pictures, they seem to deal with it, take it in stride, as it were. I don't know that we were always our best selves. No. And certainly not anytime we lose sleep. Yeah. We're definitely not our our best selves. Oh, it's, I think I held it together fine for everyone. I think you were. But you. <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> I, as like, always, everyone needs to know you were amazing in every way. Yeah, we're not our best selves when we lose sleep and then there's a crisis on top of it that yeah. we're dealing with. I mean, there is a reality that like, I don't know what the stat is, but people who have like major crises and trauma, like they, they almost always get divorced. It is like an insane statistic. Um, people don't make it through. I mean, this, this may not have fallen into the trauma. I mean, like a, the diagnosis of a, a pretty dangerous chronic illness. Um, but like you could see why so fast, um, we did not deal in the same way. I did not want to hear the sound of your voice. I did not. I wanted to process this with every other person, but not you. And I like been thinking about like why that is like, I wanted to process intellectually with everyone else, but I just wanted you to be like safe hug time and not have to talk about it with you. Um, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But except for. I think you are okay with it, but I had to tell you like 10 times because you were just like watching me and being like, okay, what does she need? And then you would see how I was with somebody else. And they're like, okay, she needs to talk about it. And I'd be like, can you just shut your pie hole right now and let me like grieve in peace? Um, I don't understand you. You're a weird woman. Yeah. Well, and so I was just thinking like if we had, if again, this is the sort of thing where I kind of just put it aside and thought if this diagnosis comes down, we have insurance for couples therapy. Like we could go. <laughs> And we would go yeah. um, because this is like, that was one of the things that I wanted. Um, I like, I'm, I'm aware of that statistic and that was not something I was willing to lose. Um, one of the best examples of this during the time was I was singing the song. That okay. Wait, I need to tell this story. Okay, fine. We were, we had just had a small breakdown in the living room and by we, I mean you, 
Oh, I, I sang this song the breakdown. whole time we were in the, like literally the whole and five days. We're getting ready for bed and we're super depressed and sad. And she starts singing a funeral dirge. It's not is a- the only way I can describe it. It's a song about dying and going to heaven. And the tune is it's definitely a minor key. I'm definitely going to sing you the song right now. It is so depressing. The song is about Jesus coming back and what it's going to be like when Jesus coming back. And it goes, no more sadness, no more tears. You're singing it way higher and way faster than you were singing it. No more darkness, no more fears. Yeah, it's about dying. It's not about dying. It's about Jesus Jesus. coming back. No, those are two different things. Check your theology demand. And all I said was, hey, because you sang it and sang it and and then you stopped and my whole body went, okay, we can be happy again. It's fine. And then you started singing again. And I said, hey, honey, can you sing something more upbeat? And you said, this is why people get divorced. You all can look at (laughs) (laughs) I did say that. Yes. Um, You can all look up. It's called A Mighty King by Crossroad Church. It's a Christmas song. And it's adorable. Her voice is super annoying. I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> you just were, because you were sad. And so you were singing in a sad way. Fine. And some of us are affected by music because we have souls. Um, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. And then there was the issue of me asking you to be at the hospital and you not. Which, In hindsight, from a very practical standpoint, I understand what you did, what you want. But if you could, just next time I say, I need you with me. To just drop whatever you are currently doing and come okay. to me to the hospital with our I kid, I would super appreciate it. At that time, I was also panicking, and I was also in my PJs, in my panicked, addled brain. I was just thinking, "Get you to the hospital." I just wasn't thinking clearly. I made the wrong call. I admit that. I think I, I feel just, the need to disclose that we just had about a forty-minute conversation off mic about this exact incident. And I think what it really came down to is we couldn't communicate fast enough what was important in the moment. And we were so panicked that we couldn't hear each other. We, I mean, yeah. like we could physically hear each other, but. Um, we were both focused on getting Levi to the hospital. And so we probably weren't making our most articulate arguments about why we were doing what we were doing. We didn't have time for an articulate argument. We had clarity and you had clarity. But. We're here now. We had the discussion. <laughs> yes. um, I I hope that you have come to a place where you understand why I made the mistakes I made and that you have forgiven me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like Jesus said. So one of the other things that came up um, as a result of this was kind of a rearrangement of priorities, um, which sounds so hokey. Um, Mostly we just don't tell Levi no anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, wrong. We do. But we no, did have that... about an afternoon where we didn't. Yeah. A um, couple things came up. One of the things was um, I was sitting there on Sunday night and was like, what could I do to make myself feel more at peace? And the reality is I work um, 25 hours a week. And since Dane started kindergarten, I only have 20 hours of childcare, which means I am cobbling together five hours a week of work. Um, I'm also doing a job that um, I. Apart from and on top of your kids' On top job, of my kids' ministry job. Because you're about to say a job that you don't like and don't want to do. I have a job that I don't like and I don't like to do. And most importantly, I do not feel called to. And, not um, the kids' job. Very called to kids' very job. Very called Bring to the kids', kids job. on top of that. <laughs> um, I was doing the church um, social media. And I did it for years. 
And um, starting last year, I didn't, my job with kids changed so that I didn't have access to the full church body the way I used to. And I just haven't been inspired or doing a great job at this job. Meantime, um, I have a, a friend and fellow like servant at the church that um, is totally on fire right now and just went through her own like personal trauma and is coming out of it like like nothing I have ever seen before in terms of a transformation of a human being. And um, she is going to take over that job for me. And I'm excited for her because it's a step in a direction that I think is good for her. And it's something she'll be really good at. And yeah, she's going to be great at it. And, and we should stop talking about her. She listens to this. Yeah, I know. But but beyond that point, I I took the five hours and was like, this is not my priority. Like Levi's my priority. And and the kids are my priority. And I thought, even if this diagnosis ends up, diagnosis ends up being nothing, um, I don't want to do this anymore. And taking this off my plate, and I have been asking to to not do this job anymore for quite a long time. And they've asked me to stay on um, while they figure out our HR's problem. Not a problem. Deficit right now. And um, and I'm like, this is this is it. So that rearranging of priorities. And I am, oh, I am so excited. <laughs> to only to have childcare for the time I work. Um I I could not be more at peace with that decision even though it looks like Levi's health is probably going to be stable. The lesson I think is what are you holding on to right now? What are you doing right now? What is God calling you to suffer for? Or to stop getting in the way. What's getting in the way of you right now that you're like, oh, "I'm doing this because I don't know why. Well, imagine that you had a, that's the thing that you could do is like, imagine that you had a sudden major stress in your life. What is the one thing that you could change about your life that would make the space for it? Or what, you know, like what is at, what is putting you above full in your life that isn't something that is life-giving? One more side effect of this whole thing. And it's something I've been really like noodling on and thinking about for a long time now is how to be connected with and to be a mom to Levi as a distinct entity from Dane. Um, I am not Dane and Levi's mom as a as a mom. I'm Dane's mom and we have a relationship and I'm Levi's mom and we have a relationship. But there's been, always been, um, it's not as fully developed. And I realize that Levi is younger and Levi also is a tester and he's strong will and he has a big a temper. Bit. He's more challenging in so many ways. And sometimes you just look at him and I'm like, I don't even know what to do with you um, until you spend um, two days in a hospital in constant proximity to somebody worried that there's that, that something is going to happen to him. And it's like something with my heart with Levi just clicked into a pl- into place in a way it's never been when I. When he walks into the room, since this has happened, it's like a fl- like a flood of warmth that I, I it's so funny. I remember when I used to drop Dane off at gym childcare, and I used to just look forward to picking him up from gym childcare. I remember being like, I cannot wait to see his face, and um, that is something I'm experiencing. Like every time now that Levi comes into the room, it's like this appreciation for the gift that God has given me that I have never had before. And, um, and it's just, it sounds just kind of sentimental and hokey, 
Um, but oh, it is sentimental and hokey, but, but it, that's okay. But it feels really good. Okay, so real talk check-in. How are you now? Um, I am not caught up in sleep. I am physically exhausted. I am coming out of the fog a little bit and being able to function at my job and at my life a little bit better. I worked out today and took care of the house today as opposed to like just letting it fall apart. Um, I am not worried about the diagnosis. I think that even if it comes down that that is what it is, I'm not fearful like I was on Friday when we got Mm -hmm. the phone call from that tactless human being. (laughs) How about you? Emotionally tired. Physically, I'm doing pretty good because I have been using this as an excuse to not do anything physical. (laughs) Good. Yeah, okay. And so I feel less sore and, and better than I have in a while physically. I've been kind of cutting out of work. <laughs> there was something yesterday. I probably should have stayed late and finished. And I just said, no, nah, I'm not gonna. And I emailed someone and said, I'll get back to you tomorrow. It's fine. And I did. And it was fine. Probably should have finished it the day before, but it's fine. Can I tell you a similarly funny story? You know this because you, uh, you were going to help me, but we are doing Operation Christmas Child through Samaritan's Purse for the GS for our kids. And I was creating little like gift tags for people to take with them to like pledge to bring up a wow toy or whatever and in my mind each good gift tag was going to have a hole punch in it and in that hole punch we were going to put a bow made out of a pipe cleaner and on that pipe cleaner was going to be a bell and i was going to make really a, cute 150 of these gift tags and i had made like 17 of them and then levi ended up in the hospital and then we got home and it was like saturday afternoon and i looked at it and i said i have to do those gift tags before tomorrow and i thought you know what i'm pretty sure that no one is going to hold against me that I didn't do 123 pipe cleaner bell gift tags today. And so the pipe cleaners and the bells are sitting in a box somewhere. The gift tags have random hole punches all the way through them. They never got their because little... Because I did do You the did punching. do that, but I didn't give you the supplies to do the whole thing. And um, I'm just going to have to have peace with the fact that my gift tags weren't as sparkly as I intended them to be. Uh, again... What's getting in the way in your life? Cut it out. <laughs> Other than that, though, I'm, do- I'm doing well. I'm I'm not quite as at peace as you are. I'm still a little panicky, but um, things are pretty good. My parents don't have power right now, so they're a little hard to get a hold of because PG&E cut off half the state. So I'm a little worried about that. That's adding stress to my life. But I'm doing good. This was good. One of the things we wanted to do today, since this is technically our first episode back since our break, was to bring back some of the highlights of... What did you do this summer? (laughs) It was, what did you do this September? Um, First of all, Dane rocks at kindergarten, in case you all were wondering. Um, He has friends now. and Uh, Does he have friends? No, he does have friends. He has friends. uh, Nope. You don't know about this other kid that I know about, whose name I'm not going to throw out on the podcast, but he has another friend, at least two. Um, and, uh, we got a hot tub. Joel spent basically the whole break physically working himself to the bone to build a way overbuilt and very fancy deck for my hot tub. Um, it's square and flat. What more do you want? Oh no, it is fancy. Um, and I bought all of the, um, accoutrements to make it beautiful. (laughs) 
Um, we had a church campfire night with our small group that was like borderline magic. It was really great to have everybody here. Yeah. And we all got together and stood around my deck and Went, all the men kicked it and poked it. It was good. Um, and so we just, we had a very, I mean, to leading up to this, uh, we had a very good, peaceful, um, you, it wasn't peaceful for you, but you like doing those big projects. Yes? Yeah. It was peaceful. It's peaceful doing projects. Hard, but it's peaceful. You were really tired. And you did hit yourself in the face at least once with a very big board. Now we get to do our favorite part of the episode. So we struggled a little bit with Levi really didn't have any concept of what happened to him. Um, he didn't understand why he was in the hospital. He kept saying he wanted to come home to dad and Dane. He had a Why lot can't of we just go home? So he's gone to the so hospital. That came up. And our doctors at the hospital, like it's one. Yeah. So he's been there a lot. So uh, it's just why kind can't of a we thing. just go home? I'm yeah, better like, now. He gets sick. He goes to the hospital. They give him some meds. He comes home. We didn't have any like problem. He's not old enough to really explain what's going on. But Le- Dane was, and we're like, well, you know, um, Levi had an emergency. Um, his liver isn't working the way it should. Blah, 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 blah. And so, then we watched a video about a baby with a liver problem. Oh, yeah. So then we did the GS Kids presentation. Um, and I showed um, this baby um, on life support and the miracle of how he was provided a liver and recovered and all of that. But Dane goes later that day. As we're driving in the car with Levi. Is Levi going to die? Um, no, do, no, 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 that's no, no. not going to happen. <laughs> But his liver's not working. Yeah, no. So he was like connecting the dots like, oh, this other baby almost died because his liver wasn't working and Levi's liver isn't working. So Levi must be dying. And I was like, no, that's not a thing. That's that's not what's happening. Um, like even just very practically, no. Um, but also that's not something that you have to. That's what we told him. That's not something. No. And that's not something that you need yeah. to worry about. And in the moment, I feel like it was, again, we weren't necessarily our best selves. Nope. We have uh, not been our best selves. Because he was like talking about it. I was like, I can't deal with this right now, so I'm not going to help you deal with it. So we're just going to push it aside and say no. Which is true. It was just true, too. So it's easy. It reminds this whole week has been when my sister was pregnant with, I think it was just her first one. And she had like morning, not even morning sickness, but like the exhaustion that comes with early pregnancy. And she's just like, I'm just not my usual awesome self. And that. First of all, it was hilarious when she said it, but that has come to my mind so many times over the last week where I'm like, I'm fine and I'm functioning, but I am not functioning at all cylinders and I hate not functioning at all cylinders. Um, so it's time to get back to our awesome selves. All right. Press out. <sighs> Lord. If there is anything wrong with that kid's body, please heal it. Um, in your name, we ask that you go into his body, fix whatever is wrong, and bring a miracle to him. Amen. If there's not anything going wrong, help us to see it, um, to make it clear so that we can move on with peace. For those parents that are dealing with terrifying situations with their child's health or with their own health, um, we pray for peace for them, for healing for their children, for more life, for more purpose, for more of you. And we just ask that you comfort them in their times of fear, that you help them to communicate in their times of conflict, that you help them to grieve in a way that brings them closer to you. And in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos pod at email.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week. But even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.